The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good morning. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Here are the stories we're following today. And a hard rain is going to fall, and I'm not talking about uh, the Apple story just yet, but uh, the heaviest rain in Hong Kong since 1884. That is incredible. A black rainstorm warning. It may affect the markets today. So for those of you who will be um, looking and listening for the Hong Kong market information, uh, be forewarned about that. And we'll track that as those developments uh, ensue. Well, let's take a closer look at the Apple story. Shares down almost another 3% today, wiping out nearly $200 billion of market value in just two days. It comes as China plans to expand a ban on the use of iPhones in in sensitive departments across the government structures. Sources tell Bloomberg that the new restrictions could include state-owned enterprises and other government-run organizations. Bloomberg's Anurag Rana discusses the potential impact on Apple. Financially, I would say, government official not buying the iPhone is not going to be material for Apple. But the question really is not so much about that. The question is, is the close relationship that China has had with Apple or the Apple has had with China. Are we seeing some kind of a dent in that? I think that is the biggest question here. So we were down 3.6% yesterday and 2.9% today. So talking round about 6.5% in two days performance. And we're just hearing the views there of Bloomberg's Anurag Rana. Doug? Well, let's get to the day's Fed speak. We heard from the New York president, John Williams, saying monetary policy is in a good place. However, he thinks officials will need to be data dependent going forward. We'll have to keep watching the data, carefully analyzing all of that, and really asking the, ourselves the question, is this sufficiently restrictive? Do we need to maybe uh, raise rates again to, to make sure that we're keeping that uh, steady progress in terms of getting imbalances, you know, shrink imbalances in the labor market and bring inflation back down? Now, the futures market is suggesting the Fed will hold rates steady again when the committee meets later this month. You know, policymakers will have some more economic data to review before then, including some fresh readings on inflation. Brian? Well, the United Auto Workers Union has rejected a, an offer, a counteroffer that was made by General Motors. We get the story from Bloomberg's Ann Cates. GM had proposed a total 16% pay raise for top wage earners at its plants and a 56% increase for newer employees who make less. GM also included $11,000 in inflation protection payments and improved wages for temporary staff. But UAW President Sean Fain reacted quickly, saying the proposal is insulting, with contracts with Detroit's Big Three to expire next week. In addition to much higher raises, Fain also wants guaranteed pensions reinstated, cost of living allowances, and retiree health care. Bloomberg's Ann Cates. Well, Zoom Video Communications has met with regulators, not just here in the U.S., but in the European Union as well and some other jurisdictions. The aim here was to outline concerns about allegedly anti-competitive behavior on the part of Microsoft. The story from Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. 
A source says the communications software maker has talked with the Federal Trade Commission as well as competition enforcers from the EU, UK and Germany over the past year. The source says Zoom expressed concerns about the way Microsoft gives preference to its team's video conferencing software through price bundling and product design. Microsoft has been under scrutiny from the EU's competition watchdog. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg Radio. And again, Microsoft trading down about nine-tenths of one percent in the latest session. China is said to be trying to link chip access to climate action at the G20 summit. We get that story from Bloomberg's Bonnie Au in Hong Kong. We hear Chinese officials raise the issue about delivering more financing and technology, including chips, to aid efforts to combat global warming. Negotiations on climate action are high on the agenda ahead of the weekend's meeting in New Delhi. China has repeatedly condemned a U.S. move to tighten export controls on chip technology to China. And it has been in talks with G20 counterparts, including the U.S., Japan and South Korea. But China's efforts to link chip access to climate action are not expected to succeed. In Hong Kong, I'm Bonnie Ao, Bloomberg Radio. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says Canada is on track to sign a trade agreement with Indonesia in the next year. Now, this comes as Canada is looking to expand trade with a number of Asian economies, while it, at the same time, reduces its reliance on China. Now, Trudeau was saying even though relations with China have improved, there is still no political space for rapprochement. China has made decisions over the past years that have uh, made it more difficult, not just for Canada, but for other countries, uh, to engage uh, in ways. I, I will admit, in 2015, the conversations we had uh, was about you know, working on towards a free trade deal with China, working towards those sorts of things. But in real terms, the choices uh, and the actions of China have made that more difficult. Well, the relationship between China and Canada turned hostile back in 2018. That's when Canada arrested Huawei executive Meng Wanzhou on an extradition request from the U.S. Now, that prompted China to detain two Canadians and then impose embargoes on some Canadian food exports. Brian? And even though the U.S. dropped those charges against Meng, and even though the two Michaels were released uh, from China, relations have not improved. And, Doug, you know, these comments from Justin Trudeau about no room for rapprochement are quite severe. Uh, Trudeau said that a normal relationship is, quote, impossible. Mm. Now, those are the types of comments that you often hear from ideologues, but not usually from prime ministers and presidents. And I think China, I think many would would uh, understand this and feel this. China is becoming much more isolated from the West. Most definitely. And I think the markets are kind of uh, confirming that trend. Before we and, go and can, to... Can, can I just go, add one yeah, yeah. quick line? It, it happens on a day when we see that China's imports from Russia actually reach a record <laughs> high, the largest ever surge in imports from Russia. You're absolutely right. Quick uh, note on the Treasury market, because I mentioned earlier we had yields down across the curve today. I think there is a lot of interest now in evidence of softer wages. The Atlanta Fed wage tracker came in at an increase in August of 5.3, down from July's reading of 5.7, and the Wall Street Journal reporting that Walmart is cutting wages for new hires. I thought that was interesting. 
It is. You love to get down and dirty with the bond market. I know you go to bed at night uh, <laughs> thinking about uh, the inversion of the yield curve. Uh, well, we've got another, uh, we've got a guest coming up, Nick Schoenmacher, who is in the same sort of camp, client portfolio manager at Drummond Capital Partners. We'll get uh, we'll get his views on, on markets and how things are moving here at the moment. We've seen a lot of red numbers on these screens. Time now for Global News. Well, let's get right to San Francisco and the 960 newsroom. We've got Ed Baxter, who is looking at, well, ASEAN's closing statements on the Russian war in Ukraine. It has set up what is expected to be a tense G20. Ed. Yeah, that's not the way they want it, Brian, but it looks like the way it is. Newling statements at ASEAN's close regarding Ukraine. One that condemned it and another that uh, didn't mention it at all. The formal announcement made no mention of the war, although the chair's statement noted with, quote, deep concern the impact of the war that uh, most members strongly condemn. So now the focus, uh, India and G20 with Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping not attending. Does it ha- have any meaning at all? Well, Tim Ash, RBC Global Asset Strategist, says that is a very good question. Really, what, what is it for? What is it, what is it now achieving when you, know, you have G7 knocking out the park around the Ukraine unity, all that kind of thing, BRICS enlarged? Obviously, Xi using that as a, as a, you know, his kind of motor or his, uh, his, uh, you know, his means to kind of project Chinese influence. And G G twenty is kind of floundering. Yeah, Ash uh, on Bloomberg says it affects economic issues as well as climate change, as well as what's going to happen in the Indo-Pacific. U.S. President Joe Biden, meanwhile, has tested negative again for COVID, so he was cleared to make the trip to the G twenty. We're getting more details on the latest U.S. aid package for Ukraine. Secretary of State Antony Blinken has reported yesterday is there today. Pentagon spokeswoman Sabrina Singh outlined what has gone. The department announced a new security assistance package through the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative to support Ukraine's battlefield needs. This $600 million package includes equipment to augment Ukraine's air defenses, artillery munitions, and other capabilities. Yeah, side note, it's mentioned in a new Biden campaign ad as well. As Ukraine continues to take back land from Russia, it's having to deal in a major way with clearing landmines. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken is continuing his visit there. By some estimates, as much as one-third of Ukraine's territory um, has to deal with mines or unexploded ordnance, one-third of the entire country. Um, farmland throughout the country, unexploded ordnance, mines. Farmland that was feeding 80 million people around the world. Blinken says Ukrainians are working together to reclaim their land. Things have become more problematic for Congress to dodge a U.S. government shutdown. Bloomberg's Zach Cohen reports House Speaker Kevin McCarthy's office is now trying to tie in Ukraine. Could be tied instead to a border bill, which is much more contentious mm. and certainly won't pass this month. Uh, and especially since it doesn't have time to uh, get over to the Senate and back in the same version. But there's a whole host of issues on border security that the two parties need to work out ahead of time. So Ukraine aid really uh, in question right now, really the first time that's happened on an issue that has had wide bipartisan support in Congress since uh, Russia's invasion. And President Biden will not be able to work on it until he gets back from the G20. And Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese will visit Beijing to meet with the Chinese government's senior leadership before the end of 2023, latest sign of some thaw in the relationship. Global News, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in over 120 countries in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, and this is is Bloomberg. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. 
American Funds Distributors, Inc. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis, along with Rashad Salamat, and we are joined by Nick Shoemaker, who's a client portfolio manager at Drummond Capital Partners. Nick, thanks very much for joining us. Apple's woes in China, sideshow or a main event? Um, I guess on a on a geopolitical front, it's quite um, it's it's a main event, just given the efforts that China went to, particularly over the last year, to shut down. Um, uh, that the US went to to shut down China's um, capabilities in semiconductors. So I think it's a big event um, geopolitically. In terms of Apple, I mean, every um, wealthy person in every country in the world owns an iPhone, and I don't think that kind of technology staple nature of Apple is changing. Um, so I'd say that's more of a shorter-term hurdle. Um, there will obviously be countries now that will be concerned um, that the US and the West can weaponise semiconductors to some extent and may favour um, the uh, version of the new kind of iPhone that's been made in China. Um, that'll, have a, that'll have an impact to Apple's um, margins, but I think that's kind of more of a secondary consideration, but more just the geopolitical optics of what's happened, I think, is quite significant. Well, certainly, and it doesn't bring Washington and Beijing closer in any uh, uh, way, shape, or form. But, but, no. but tell me about what uh, how this is all affecting right now, Nick. What's what, what's happening with uh, with markets? How, what is being priced in, or is everybody just looking at monetary policy right now and ignoring the geopolitical risks? The geopolitical risks do seem to be um, ignored. Uh, I think, as you say, markets this year have performed very buoyantly. And uh, I think, you know, if you're just some justification for that is that kind of immaculate disinflationary trend that we've had. If you think, though, just about, you know, the S&P 500 and the Magnificent Seven, you know, it's really only two stocks, NVIDIA um, and Meta, that have had positive earnings revisions for this year and next, and the rest um, have had um, nothing, but they've still been up 50 to 60%. You've had Tesla, whose earnings have been essentially going backwards since 2022 and are up over 100%. So you've had a lot of this kind of what feels in some ways like late cycle exuberance in markets this year. Obviously, there's a, a big innovation cycle now that's going to be a result of AI and the introduction of chat GPT late last year. 
But the economic rent from AI isn't going to be seven stocks. It's going to be a five, ten year process. So certainly it does seem that um, the whole soft landing narrative, as that's become more palatable, investors have been cheered along by that and, as you alluded to, have been ignoring geopolitical risk to a, to some, to a large degree. Well, we haven't really been performing all that well of late. Uh, it could be seasonal in nature, or it could be that investors are worried about you know higher rates for longer from the Fed. Yeah. Uh, although you are starting to hear some commentary about uh, a, a perhaps a new direction that the Fed will start recalibrating pretty soon about uh, when it needs to start pulling back on rates. Uh, where do you stand yeah. in that argument? Where are you on the spectrum? I think I so in terms of the US I think the most likely outcome later this month would be a, a hawkish pause uh, we've probably got the ECB perhaps going one more time um, you know they have they don't have a dual mandate so it really is just fighting inflation and it's too high um, I think what the market is going to recalibrate and why there may be some upward pressure on bond yields that we've started to see with that bear steepening over the last month will be that the market's um, pricing of rate cuts next year may start to be pushed out and the higher for longer narrative will be uh, more embedded into um, market participants' psyche for now. And Nick, we, we've got you for a little extra time, so I want to ask a follow on that. Uh, yeah, sure. Is, there, is, this, is this a new paradigm? I mean, do you think that going forward, we're going to see rates stay uh, elevated? They're not going to go back down into the 1% one, one and 2% range. Yeah, it seems that way. Look, when we run our asset allocation, we looked at a number of scenarios, and one of them was the deflationary quagmire. And what a deflationary quagmire is, is if we were going back to that 2012 to 2019 period where you had zero interest rate policy, QE, um, and negative real yields. I don't think we're going back to that. I think a kind of more return to normal in terms of positive real yields, where we have uh, the real yield now at about 2%, is more of a likely scenario. Um, and I think inflation volatility is something that's going to be very relevant over the 2020s. Even if we do continue to see inflation and those disinflationary impulses continuing this year and even yeah. perhaps next year, um, I think just the concept of inflation volatility uh, will see rates kind of high for longer and term premium in long bonds um, perhaps uh, higher as well. Nick, the thing is, you know, we've got a structural shift. I mean, you know, when uh, Brian was talking about this paradigm shift, I mean, it is structural in the sense that we probably will not, not return to years of no or little inflation for quite a while because we've got demographics in play, we've got decarbonisation, we've got yeah. also de-risking, i.e. these globalisation uh, trends or deglobalization trends are all at yeah. the moment contriving together to make inflation higher for longer. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, you've got the French shoring and all of those things. And even now yeah. we've seen just more recently the energy price at um, about $90, which will potentially put some upward pressure on inflation and also inflation expectations as well, which we know the Fed uh, has still shown that they're concerned about um, keeping, I think, rates high for longer to avoid inflation expectations becoming unhinged, which was that situation we had back in the 70s. So, um, yeah, it does feel like inflation will be higher for longer. So, Nick, you're, you're, you're cautious on the U.S. economy. Yeah, if you think inflation will be yeah. higher, you're probably not all that uh, enamored with the bond market. I don't know. Uh, so one question is, yeah. um, what else are you cautious on? And, and secondly, where's the best place mm. to put your money over the next year? 
So in terms of the bond market, so we have been incrementally adding to, to government bonds or G7 government bonds as rates have uh, continued to trend higher. So we are closer to neutral on our duration, our interest rate risk. And that really is just the fact that you've got a good carry cushion in sovereign bonds now, which we didn't have when we were in the uh, zero interest rate policy error. Um, also, the fact that we do think it's highly likely that we still could get a recession over the next, say, nine months sometime. Um, there will be the case then that you do get a very good once-in-a-cycle once in capital gain from long bonds. Um, but we are aware of that continu continued risk around that bear steepening, and we'll manage our rates risk tactically. In terms of equities, um, we have we still are um, underweight. We're neutral Australian shares. We're uh, underweight global equities, and uh, that is expressed most notably through the US. In terms of where we see opportunities, uh, in, you know, in a hedge fund macro fund that we run internally, we bought commodities a couple of months ago. Uh, we did the equivalent of a, of a bear steepening. Um, we uh, we're very tactical with with how we run money, so it's kind of working around our strategic asset allocation at the moment, and really just seeing when we get greater line of sight to what's happening yeah. with central banks, inflation, and the economy before we take any big macro calls through asset allocation okay. at this juncture. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices, just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get Our Way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.